Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Samuel chapter 18 from the World English Bible. When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and wouldn't let him go home to his father's house any more. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his clothing, even including his sword, his bow, and his sash. David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war. It was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they came, when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with instruments of music. The women sang to one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have credited David with ten thousands, and they have only credited me with thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? Saul watched David from that day and forward. On the next day, an evil spirit from God came mightily on Saul, and he prophesied in the middle of the house. David played with his hand as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul threw the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. David escaped from his presence twice. Saul was afraid of David because Yahweh was with him and had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and Yahweh was with him. When Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he stood in awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merib, I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight Yahweh's battles. For Saul said, Don't let my hand be on him, but let the hand of the Philistines be on him. David said to Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel the Maholathite as wife. Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David, You shall today be my son-in-law a second time. Saul commanded his servants, Talk with David secretly, and say, 
Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law. Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and little known? The servants of Saul told him, saying, David spoke like this. Saul said, Tell David the king desires no dowry except one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought he would make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. When his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the deadline, David arose and went, he and his men, and killed two hundred men of the Philistines. Then David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full number to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, as wife. Saul saw and knew that Yahweh was with David, and Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David, and Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out, and as often as they went out, David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. That is the end of chapter 18. Verse 2 seems to verify that these chapters are consecutive and that Saul wouldn't let David go home anymore. Some Bible versions just say, return, but there still seems to be the implication that he can't return like he has returned before. Jonathan seems to be an amazing, humble, loving man, unlike his father. He honored David with attire more suitable to his new position and responsibilities, and David didn't turn it down. It doesn't specifically mention armor, but it does mention weapons. But it's good to note that David wasn't entering battle either, so he could take these weapons now and have time to learn to use them. It's not surprising that Saul, who set up a monument to himself as recorded in earlier chapters, is very humiliated when the people sing in a way that makes him seem like less of a warrior than this younger person, David. And in verse 10, we have this evil or distressing spirit again, and it makes an odd reference to uh, Saul prophesying. But a couple of other versions, particularly the English Standard Version and the New American Standard Bible, translate that as raved. Matthew Henry's commentary suggests that this was a pretense to kind of, as it were, be a cloak to what Saul's actual intentions were, which were to throw the spear at David and pin him to the wall. In verse 17, it's notable that David is not swayed or does not respond with any kind of conceit to the lying flattery that is being bestowed on him in the subterfuge that Saul has set in motion. Also, David knows, seems to know, that he needs a dowry. And the word dowry seems to have changed in its meaning over time. In more recent Victorian era times, the dowry has been given to mean the money that is comes with the bride for the husband. But in biblical times, it meant the bride price, that which the potential husband had to provide to the bride's, the potential bride's father. But really, there were gifts given all around. You can see this in several places in the Old Testament. One that comes to mind is when Abraham's servant went and got Rebekah from the well. He bestowed her with gifts as well. 
But the term bride price can be easily misconstrued by people in our current time period. This doesn't mean that the bride was the slave of the husband. This was more to prove a man's economic status, that he could afford such a thing as a wife, and a sign that he knows how to make wealth to provide for his family. And it wasn't like the bride's family just up and disappeared all the time, especially within Israel. The bride's family would be right there, so it would actually strengthen family connections and make the whole family unit more wealthy. Spread the wealth. Most people like that idea. And the dowry or bride price would prove what a husband was willing to suffer to give up to gain his wife. It was brought to my attention that in Genesis chapter 31, verse 15, there's an indication that both Rachel and Leah had expected some benefit for themselves from the dowry, from what was given to Laban or what Laban accumulated because of Jacob's work for him, and they were disappointed that they didn't get it. So now let's talk about Philistine foreskins. Let's remember that the Philistines were not just men at home minding their own business. They were warriors actively oppressing and initiating aggression against Israel. The foreskins, one, showed that the men killed weren't Israelites because the Israelites were all circumcised, and two, were an easy way to count the success of battle. At first reading, it may sound very humiliating to the Philistines, but they were dead, so they didn't care, and it's definitely less gross than scalping or cutting off fingers or something like that. Throughout this chapter, it is emphasized that David was out and about getting things done, going in and out before the people, while Saul was not. Saul may have been a bit old for war, but he still could have been productive and useful as a king, but the comparison suggests that he wasn't in the eye of the people doing his job. And Saul was afraid of David because Yahweh was with David, and Saul had refused to listen to Yahweh. Saul is David's enemy, at least partly because he has chosen to be too proud to obey and follow God. To quote a well-known proverb, which is Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Thanks for listening. See you next time. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 